Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Summoning Silence here with Opal's Not Lab. Summoning Nonsense. Wait, what? He said Summoning Silence. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting here like, man, I'm doing so good. This is great. Wow, it's coming out. Summoning silence. Okay, fine. That's fair. Let's do that again. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Summoning Nonsense here at or with Opal's Lounge. I'm not even going to edit that out. They're just going to get an earful. Um, <laughs> so that's what I love about doing this podcast with you, P, is we really just get to be our genuine selves, and I don't have to do much editing. So yeah. Um, Listen at your own risk. But anyway, we are here. <laughs> um, our topic of discussion is coming out of the broom closet, as B calls it, but then also uh, coming out of the gay slash pan closet. So B, I'm going to have you take the wings, introduce yourself again, get all your good stuff. Hi, I'm still B. Um, still working on opening my business, B and Bear Oracle. Uh, it is making progress. Hopefully, opening soon. Yay! We're working working on logo right now. Um, so, in this specific topic, uh, I would like to include the fact that I am uh, pansexual, and I also am a practicing witch, which is how these topics relate. To me specifically and if you don't know what a pansexual is because a lot of people are kind of misinformed or confused about pansexuality uh no we're not interested in your cookware um <laughs> and it is different from bisexuality but it is very similar so when you're bisexual you like boys and you like girls when you're pansexual, you like boys, you like girls, you like um, non-binary, you like anything and everything, whatever is going on in the downstairs does not matter at all. It's about the person, the actual, you know, individual, not necessarily their looks, but who they are on the inside. Right. So it's more the way that I understand pansexual is it's more of the emo or sorry, more of the spiritual connection with the person than than um their body parts or what category fit yeah. in or labels. It's more of my soul sees you, I'm attracted to you on that level. It doesn't matter. That's that's exactly it. And I mean, of course, like we're human, so of course we have, you know. A preference but mm -hmm. it's not one of those things where it's like um like when you're straight like i am only interested in the opposite gender that's it and when you're pansexual it doesn't work that way you can of course you can be like oh you know this specific type of person i'm really attracted to but that doesn't limit your i don't want to say options but your who you're interested in like, of course, there's going to be physical attraction to people, right. but that's not where anything like that's not where it starts, I guess, is the best description. The main pull comes from or the main right. 
arousal, if you will. Yes. Uh, that makes total sense to me only because as a gay male, I am not pan. <laughs> I like the idea, but I am only solely attracted to the, the masculine body or the male body. Um, again, it's not anything that I'm hating on any other group for. It's just that's what my brain and my chemistry finds attractive. And that's just what it is. But um, I've always liked the idea of being pan, but I can honestly tell you there is no arousal when it comes to a female body. <laughs> <for me. laughs> so there is nothing there. It's just, you could show me boobies all day and just, nope, nothing. Yep. They're there for feeding babies. There you go. That's what they're actually there for. <laughs> Not fun. I don't know. Um, like I can't, I can't even fathom like looking at a woman and not being like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. Like I, I can't, I can't imagine looking at like a good looking woman and being like, damn, like I can't. Right. So, but that's, that's again, leads into the whole, like, it's not like you can't control it. It's not right. a choice in any way, yeah. shape or form. Like it just is how you're wired. Right. And that's, it's, that's exactly it. Like we're not shaming anyone or frowning upon like the straights or anything like that. It's right. <laughs> the breeders. <laughs> and <laughs> call them. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm there. Um, I think the listeners that we attract are also going to be there and they're going to be more focused on the love aspect rather than right. the label aspect that comes with right. But no, I totally, totally, totally love that. Um, so I guess we can start some dialogue there. So a question for both of us that comes to mind is, um, what were the challenges of trying to explain this to people in our everyday lives or even new people that we came in contact with? Because that in itself was a journey for both of us. Right. Well, you can go first because I just talked for like a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, shoot. Um, <laughs> I guess the it was... I hit it for a long time and I, I don't think I hit it very well, but I guess. No, we all knew people or so they say, but um, I don't know. It's just, it, I guess the biggest challenge coming out of the gay closet or the LBGTQ plus closet or whatever you want to call it is the acceptance part. Um, a lot of people that surrounded my everyday life did not accept it, especially right which is funny because, I mean, I talked to you about it and I talked to my best girlfriend since the second grade who've, who literally know me since I practically popped out of the womb and could walk and talk. <laughs> um, they both were like, yeah, we kind of knew. We were just waiting for you to just kind of, you know, come to terms and let us know. <laughs> right. But I remember the phone call when you like called me to tell me that like you were with somebody oh, and was, you were like, you were a mess and you were just like, so I met somebody. I'm like, okay. And then you were like, um, they're really great. And you, you like tried so hard not to say like he, and then finally you were like, his name is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, 
okay. And you just all the way got tripped up like, you heard me, right? His name is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, congrats. I'm glad you're happy. Right. And then (laughs) we had the conversation of like, I was like, B, I'm gay. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Yup. I know. And I was just kind of like, oh, well, okay. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember you being like, how long have you known? Right. I'm like, how long have I known you? Right. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good times. <laughs> um, <laughs> <dear Jesus>. uh, <laughs> no, it was just really, I don't know. I remember that as well. Um, I don't know. That's it like was- how it should be when you like, quote unquote, when you come out, like, that's how it should be, though. Like, it shouldn't have to be like, I have to come out like you should be able to show up to the family barbecue with your boyfriend and it not be like, what? Yeah. they should be like, oh, exciting, a new person that we can humiliate you in front of, you know, or as long as you're happy and you're well loved and like nurtured or whatever. And by right. Friend, right? Yeah. So that's exactly the way it should be. Um, And I guess without going into too much detail, the way that it's, uh, is, (laughs) question mark, um, but anyway, um, but no, it was, it's just a challenge. I mean, overall now things are good, but I still think that there is still some education and misunderstanding that still happens in that arena. Um, I can say with this closet, a lot of my upset and um, struggle with it was being raised in the church. And again, I'm yeah. not here to badmouth the church, but there's just a lot of oppression that goes on in there. And a lot of like being in this realm of things, you really get to see the oppression that happens in the church, number one. But then you also get to realize like you're not necessarily bad or there's nothing wrong with you or you're not broken and you can still be loved for who you are like you know it's just it brought a lot of insecurity in a a long period of my life and it wasn't until college that I was able to break away and and finally finally come to terms with myself with it and start to really understand it so that's just kind of how that was again things are okay now like still think there's work that could definitely be done but overall it's not like it was um another funny thing that you mentioned about like coming from the church it was you and me and another girl and we always hung out and we were always together and like sometimes I look back and kind of admire it because she she was bisexual and like she made no bones about it she's like I like boys, I like girls, but I mostly am into chicks. And like the fact that at such a young age, like she was able to just be like, no, this is who I am. Like right. mad props to her. And the fact that all these years later, like, haha, we he, were, none of us were straight. Ha <laughs> ha. Jokes on y'all. Right. <laughs> also, you guys were good at, well, she never really like hit it, I guess, but mm-hmm. I couldn't. I mean, I talk and people are like, oh, there's one. <laughs> you get it in its natural habitat. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. 
right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Let's transition into you. Let's put you in the with this. So what okay. was it? trying to explain it to people or when I don't even think I know when you actually knew what I, I guess I'm formulating that question wrong. So I'm going to stop myself. It's not so much that you didn't know what pan was, but it was, I guess, when did you finally connect the dots and realize, but then also like, how was it explaining it to people? <clears throat> so uh, I honestly like, am still putting the dots together. Like I will be 30 in a couple of months and I'm still putting the dots together of like, how did I take so long to like realize that there was a label. There were other people like me. Like I think back to when I was like a little, little kid and I would watch cartoons and you know, the media and magazines and bands and all this stuff. And I was always way more attracted, like attracted to females and I still even though like I'm married to a man now I have a daughter like blah 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 but I am far more attracted to females than I am males and the fact that like first of all I don't think anybody put the dots together until I was an adult like not just me like other people and I think my like aha moment was (laughs) This is this is um, going to sound really bizarre. Um, the first time I was married was to a man, but he was a very, very, very effeminate m- man. Indeed, indubitably. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, this must be what it's like to be with a woman, because I had never been with a woman at that point. And I was like, this must be, you know, what it's like to be with a woman. Like he cared about how he looked. He cared about what he ate. He cared about the, the stereotypical girl things. He had, you know, just that kind of mentality. Oh, and so in a negative way, I'm sorry that that's going to be misinterpreted on just audio. I just got done laughing and finally caught my breath. That's where the O came from. (laughs) it's true though like um and he he was he himself was bisexual so like we would go out and we would both like point out you know the hot girl the hot guy things like that like we were that couple Mm -hmm. and but he always he would tell me you know he was uh attracted to men but he was afraid to be with men and that struck me as odd. Mm. And that was really the moment where I realized like this, this is more than he has a very feminine personality. He is mentally, I, I believe mentally he was a woman much more than he was a man. Mm. And that's kind of when I started connecting dots, like, okay, maybe I do like girls. Like I always would like make jokes about, you know, I have a girl crush on such and such. And then I would reflect on and be like, no, that's a real crush. Like I actually am attracted to this. Can I share one of the stories? Sure. Oh my God. So I remember before you met Sam after the 
bleep bleep. Um, <laughs> I remember you were at work and you called me after you got off, I think it was, or it was like maybe the few days after and you were just like, dude. And I was like, what? And you were like, the hottest chick came through my line today or came through work and talked to me and I was vibing with her and I was just like oh it was when you worked at Dollar or Family Dollar Tree yeah it was the Dollar Tree I remember that chick too and she was fine I yeah she was I, I remember her that like she even gave you witchy vibes and stuff yeah and she kept coming in like daily and she was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing a job. I'm, I'm just in here to get, you know, one day she came in and she just got like mints. Like she didn't come in because like, oh, I need something. Like she kept coming in to talk to me. And I was like, yeah. I remember the first day you were like, I, it was the first time I ever got like visibly flustered. And <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yep. Um, Yeah. I do. I do remember that, though. And that was like another one of those like pivotal moments because I had never like, I guess, allowed myself to feel those feelings. Right. And that was kind of when I was just like, you know what? Yeah, this is who I am. This is what I like, whatever. And I always like Sam is my best friend forever and ever. I love him to pieces. And I always tell him, like, I did not want to be with a man again. I wanted to have a girlfriend. I wanted to be with a woman. And somehow he snuck in. I don't understand how it happened. And he's always like, sorry, I'm a dude. And I'm like, <laughs> nah, it's, it's cool. But also, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> And, um, but I remember like when I finally had like made that decision and found there was a label and there were other people that felt that way. And it was just like a light bulb had come on. I was just like, okay, this is what I am. And I don't think I really ever like, quote unquote, officially came out. Like I just one day was like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time. I was at my parents' house and um, I was in the kitchen and I was over by the sink and my stepmom was in the kitchen with me and I said something about um, the, that girl. And I was like, you know, there was this, the prettiest girl I'd ever seen and she keeps coming in and I don't know what to do and what the heck. And she was just like, okay. Like she was totally down with it. Didn't bother her a bit. I love that. She's always been so open-minded though. Like yeah. not of anyone. That's the person we could always go to and just be like, look, I'm a little weird. I just need you. Love me. Like I got you. Yes, she is. She, I always am like this, this is what I want to be as a person. Like truly she is like an amazing inspiration. Like she is so open and understanding and loving and just, oh my God. Okay. But going off on a, on a tangent there, but That's so she's she, not worth it because she should get all the love. She is. She absolutely. Is, we should see if she would be interested in joining us as a guest sometime. <laughs> yes. See, I'm, I guarantee she would have some stuff to say. Oh, I'm sure it would be a good episode. For sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, so like she was really the first person, like other than you, the first person that I really was just like, you know, I feel this way. And she was just didn't miss a beat. She was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, oh, okay. And like most other people, because most of the people I associate with are very open-minded and like they don't they don't give a shit like they're like okay that's who you are that's who you are the only person that really like I guess had friction about it is my dad because my dad is very like old school and so he was he had a hard time with it and I think he still like struggles with it but he never had like a problem with it. He never was like, that's not okay. That's not who you are. He's just kind of like, okay, whatever. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. And um, my brain just stopped. There's like 50 cars pulling into my parking lot. I, um, I, to give, your dad's a great guy. I mean, but it's kind of a similar situation with my parents to where it's just what they were taught. I mean, our hometown is tiny. Yeah, it's tiny, but it wasn't very open either. It was just. It was very rural Midwest. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, those that listen to the the musicals and stuff, the musical prom literally takes place in Ohio. (laughs) And literally like so relatable to my experience growing up as gay and just that whole shebang. So at least from what I remember of that musical, I was like, oh my God, I can totally relate. (laughs) Um, Growing up in Ohio, like, ah, that's a good reference. If you guys need a reference, go watch that. But it's, it's just, I don't know. Um, our hometown has actually gotten more open. A little bit. I think it's also because there's a lot more people like our age that are, we're kind of more accepting of who we are at this point. We're more like open and exploring and understanding. And we're all starting to have kids and we're all like, you know, I don't want that for my kids. I right. want them to have you know I don't want if my daughter decides that one day she wakes up and whatever like if she decides to come to me and be like hey mom I like girls like I'm gonna be like hey me too high five like like that's that's the kind of support that kids should have right like they they shouldn't you shouldn't even have to come out of a closet there shouldn't be a closet I think a lot of people our age and younger are starting to be like, no, like, forget that. We don't need that. Right. See, that's the thing is, is I, I a hundred percent agree, but I agree with you. You shouldn't even have to come out. You should, who cares? It's not your identity. It's not anything other than who you love. Uh, right. Number one. Number two, I feel the same way if I was to ever have children or if my nieces were to come with me or come to me and tell me something like that like okay as long as you're not killing anyone and you're nice like kudos to you right. congratulations welcome to the club like <laughs> yeah, <you're human>. Woo! <laughs> um, right. but yep. it's just it is I think it's just more of their upbringing and just the small-mindedness and 
Yes. I'm just not, I don't want to use lack of a better word, I guess, evolved. And it's not me yeah. saying that it's like, we're better or anything like that, but it is more of, I mean, I don't know about your parents, but I know my parents have never lived outside of Ohio or their little small towns that they would go to. Like they've always lived close to, to our hometown. Um, and I do think that that's part of the main reason why they're not so open because they never, that's, that's literally the only world they know. Right. It's not like us where we've moved to cities, we've seen diversity, we've, but we've always been like that ever since we grew up. We've never cared. We've always been like, you and I made a pact. When we graduated, we were out. Yep. (laughs) Whether it was together or not, like we were getting out, we were not staying and we both did it. And I think it really did contribute a lot to our growth, not absolutely together but also as individuals as well yep well I feel like if I didn't move when I had moved if I didn't go live you know far away from everything I knew on my own doing everything on my own yeah there's no way I would be who I am today like I was forced to you know see new things try new things hear new things everything and you know, that's, that's the kind of moments that you can pick and choose, like, you know, do I keep the old way or is this different way for me? And like, there's nothing wrong with deciding, you know, okay, I like this old way because for some people, you know, whatever you grew up with is what you're, you're comfortable with and that's okay. But you also need to be open to experiencing the other things or not so much judging other people for experiencing these other things. 100%. This is a very, like, I feel like we could make the whole episode about this topic. (laughs) (laughs) It's a biggie. It is. But for sake of the episode and us uh, going into the next part, let's talk about well, hang on. I want to make sure this is a smooth transition. So are we good to move on? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, next is the, the broom closet, or I mean, I could relate to it as the broom closet. I used to call it the psychic closet or the medium mm-hmm. closet, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. The woo-woo closet. Um, I'm going to let you start with this one because I had to start with the, 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 <laughs> the gay one. Oh. So honestly, like for me, the, the quote unquote, the broom closet coming out as a witch and coming out as pagan was actually a lot more intimidating and a lot harder for me personally. Um, because like I said, like when I told my parents that I was pansexual, they were just kind of like, okay, I'm not surprised. <clears throat> when I decided that I was, I was absolutely, I was living with my parents at the time. I had just moved back to Ohio. I was living in their house and I was absolutely petrified to tell them. I was like, they're going to kick me out. 
they're not going to love me anymore. Like just this whole wave of just negativity and being scared because like you said, like we grew up in the church. That's, that's what we knew. That's what's accepted the end. And I remember one day again in the kitchen, I'm always in the kitchen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was nighttime. I'm standing in the window looking up moon and it was literally it felt like somebody had just like taken me by the shoulders and turned me around and pushed me over to my parents in the living room and was just like tell them like I didn't have a choice (laughs) and um we can talk about that that specific experience another time because that was definitely one of the first not one of the first one of the like most incredible physical spiritual things that have ever happened to me Mm -hmm. um but my parents are sitting in the living room they're watching tv and I was just like I uh I gotta tell you guys something and they're like what and I'm like almost in tears like trying to get it out because I was so scared and I was like I am I practice witchcraft and I think I'm a pagan. And again, without missing a beat, my stepmom was like, okay, what does that mean? And so much. Yes. And my dad kind of just looked at me like deer in headlights. And I was like, okay, so like, I don't, I said, I don't believe in the devil. I don't worship the devil. I don't, You know, I'm not summoning demons in your house and not doing anything crazy like that. I said, basically, for me, it's nature. I said, I I basically worship nature. I want to feel the love that nature provides. I want to love the earth and I want earth to love me back. I said, that's the most simple, plain, easiest way I can explain it. I said, I'm not hurting anybody I'm not out to get anybody. I said, I no longer believe in the devil. Like, that's not part of it. Mm -hmm. And once I had said that, because like I said, my dad's very like old school thinking in a lot of areas. And so my dad was just kind of like, well, if you're not worshiping the devil, I don't, I don't give a shit. (laughs) And, and, um, but he was still very kind of like, reserved in it and it made him kind of anxious because of course like he's my parent he wants what's best for me and it's scary for him like thinking about it now like it had to have been scary for him to hear like I chose a completely different path than he raised me in and he doesn't know anything about it and of course there's that the giant stigma of oh you're a witch you're bad and um so that was kind of when shortly after I started doing my oracle card readings and my stepmom was one of the first people she was like yes let's do it let's try it I'm here for it practice on me all you want give me all the answers I'm here for it and my dad was what if I'm not mistaken she also started whipping out all the weird dreams she was having and like yeah you ask questions and having you yep. tell what you think it was and yeah stuff she was definitely super supportive and just yeah. like 
okay, let's explore this. Let's go. Like I want to yeah. be active in this. And, and I just love that. Yeah. She basically like her brain was like, you're not hurting anybody. You're not hurting yourself. Let's, let's go ham. Let's, let's figure this shit out. And so I would keep doing, you know, readings for her and practicing with her and things like that, talking, bringing things to her. And she would help me kind of connect some dots and I could connect some dots for her. And, uh, she, she, yeah, she was very instrumental in helping me be more like comfortable in it. Mm -hmm. And, I kept telling my dad, like, you know, I really want to do a reading for you. I really want to do a reading for you. And my dad was like, no, 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 no. And after I had done, you know, so many for like, I did them for my sisters and I did them for my stepmom. And I told him like, you know, sit here and watch me do this reading for my stepmom. I said, sit here and watch me do this reading for her and like, let her tell you how it made her feel. And then if you're comfortable with it, I would like to do one for you. And he finally one day was like, okay. And I remember how excited I was because for me, like that was basically my dad really accepting it at that point. Right. I'm and just like, me later that day. Was like, oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, why? <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. being excited. <clears throat> yeah. Big step for him also. Absolutely. And I remember after I finished his reading, he was like, how did you know about that? And I was like, know about what? And I can't even remember at this point what it was, but he was like, this thing. He's like, did, did she tell you about that? And I'm like, I still have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you what the cards are telling you. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just a messenger. And he was just like, oh, and that was the moment that my dad really like turned it around where he was like, okay, no, she's for real. And that also is, I think the moment that my dad was like, I'm going to bring her out for any, every possible opportunity I can for her to do this, which is hilarious. But I mean, I'm down. I love doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I love. And I, t- I tell you this all the freaking time. Um, but I love how supportive your family is. Yes. When has had a business endeavor or wanted to go do something, they all just spread the word and rally like a family should. And just, even though it might not be their cup of tea, they still try to show support in some way or Mm. find people who would be interested. Yes. Um, I definitely am, am crazy blessed for having the family that I have because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like that wouldn't, that wouldn't have been the case. And since all of us kids have become adults, they've been very open, understanding, communicative, supportive. Like I, I fucking love my family. (laughs) They're amazing. Or that as well. Trust me. So (laughs) really, truly blessed in that arena and that avenue. Your turn. Tell us about your broom closet. My broom closet was the easy one to come out of because I was already <laughs> out of the other closets. So, uh, that one was the the sweater, um, especially given the circumstance that I was under their roof when I had to tell them. Um, mm-hmm. 
But when I came out of the medium closet or the broom closet, I was just like, um, I made sure I was very strategic with it. (laughs) (laughs) I made sure I had other family members around that were not going to act negatively um, Mm. to make sure that the expectation of reaction was set. I'll say that. Uh, so I did inform my mother whenever other families around just to make sure like I was okay and it wasn't another bad experience, but it was also in a, in a, an arena to where I didn't really care at that point. Cause at that mm-hmm. point I was in my mid twenties or at least 24, 23, I was on my own since 19. Like that point, what are you really going to do about it? And Jack. Right. So I just let it rip and said, yep, I do this work also. Uh, I talk to dead people and I just pretty much laid it on the table. Um, I actually didn't know this growing up, but my dad actually really does enjoy paranormal stuff. That doesn't Uh, surprise me, honestly. He kind of gives that vibe. I mean, I would have never guessed it because growing up, all he wanted to watch was cops. Like, (laughs) go to show, like he... (laughs) tapes is he just loves seeing how stupid people were like getting arrested and the stupid stuff that they would say but that's like I guess my dad's guilty reality tv fixed or whatever but um that's, that's what he was yeah so I was really shocked at and it, I didn't find that out until years after I came out of the broom, broom closet so it was mm-hmm. really bonding for us to be able to talk about that and and realize that my dad does somewhat understand what I do because he kind of sees it on TV a bit, but I did have to tell him like, it's, it's not like that. It's not like the dead files where something goes bump and, oh my God, oh, I'm possessed <laughs> shaking or, oh, yeah. or anything like that. Like that's more for show, I feel. Um, yeah. And my dad agrees but he does have his, his goes to's, but no, my, I guess I share that because my, I don't think my dad really had anything to say about it, nor did my siblings. I mean, not saying that my mother really did either, but she really didn't have an opportunity to. Um, and of course there was family members and things that were sending me Bible verses or people saying we're concerned because they thought I was becoming like a Scientologist or something like that. And it's always me getting adopted. Like, it, <laughs> like <laughs> why? <laughs> Trust me, if I ever did, they would give me back within two minutes because I would just start right. talking and they would be like, nope, throw it back. Um, <laughs> right. But it's just... I don't know. Uh, I don't have a lot to say in this one because by then I was already established. I I didn't really give two shits what they had to say about it. And I just kind of was already doing my work professionally and everything. So there was Mm -hmm. no stopping it. There was no like that was my chance to stand in my dominion and actually not allow a bad experience to happen whenever I spoke my truth of who I was. But even as we're having this conversation, I'm sitting here like it's putting things in perspective because, you know, we always do the sounding board thing and we Mm -hmm. always have that good connection. But 
And this is me throwing the ball a little bit in your court again as well. But I'm sitting here thinking from the outside looking in if, if like, it must not have been easy to have us as children. Especially oh, definitely not. Sensitive and intuitive we are. Like, yeah, definitely, especially as young adults. And us moving away and then coming back and being like, hey, this is actually my truth and just dropping bombshells left and right. Like, I understand how that could be difficult and all that. But at the same time, I don't think that there should be, I guess, a reaction until you've done your research and you're educated. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because there's still people in the church today who don't understand the work that we do and they fail to realize that the clairs that we use are the same thing as the spiritual gifts that are in the church and in the Bible. There's yeah. No different. It's just different words, but that's a whole other topic. But I think for, for my family, like talking about like how we were like trying to raise us and everything. So I started um, like when I could barely talk, I started having experiences and at that point, like my mom was still in my life at that point. And, um, she immediately like tapped into it. Like, yeah, no, she's, she's got some, some kind of something going on. Like, um, and both, uh, um, words, I was very lucky in the aspect that both my biological parents are very, very into the, you know, the spooky, scary, paranormal ghosts and monsters and whatever. So, like, I was always exposed to those sorts of things outside of the things that happened to me. But also when something would happen to me, because when I was little, my main... um I guess occurrence, the thing that happened the most to me was I would hear people or see people that weren't actually there, quote unquote. And for my parents, they were just like, oh, you know, that's just, that's just her. Like it, it was never, it was never like, she's crazy. There's something wrong. like, they, they were just like, okay, yep, that's great. And you know, when when they try to comfort their child they're like oh there's nothing there it's whatever and um in one hand it was kind of a blessing and in the other hand it was a curse because they knew what i was experiencing was real but they couldn't really handle it or do anything about it so they felt the best way to I guess combat it was to pretend it wasn't happening. So that was kind of a conflicting, a good and a bad at the same time. I but I, at a young age, I kind of like, I guess the best way I can describe it is I shut it off. I didn't let myself experience those things. If I heard something or saw something, I would be like, nope, that's, that's not real. Didn't see it, didn't hear it, didn't happen until I got older. And then I was like, no, this is for real. This is a thing. Yeah, I just, I never talked about it, um, I don't think, 
I know that was whenever I was around 12, 13 and would do like dishes and chores or whatever, I would feel someone in the kitchen with me, but I wouldn't say anything because I knew obviously if they couldn't handle the gay thing, they couldn't handle the, I think someone's in the room with me when no one's there kind of deal. So um, I don't know. I just think it's, I don't know. My mind is going blank and it's probably because I don't want to stir any pots or anything like that. I want to be very aware of the dialogue here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, did you ever have an imaginary friend? Because that's something my parents have told me, like, yeah, you had an imaginary friend. You and Eric both did. I think Matt didn't. It, like, skipped him or whatever, but that's just (laughs) um I know whenever I was younger I was delayed with speech but they said Eric and I had a weird bond to where he would know everything I needed without me even having to verbalize it or he knew my language or whatever um yeah (laughs) Um, but uh I I don't think I had an imaginary friend if I did, I don't remember it, and I don't remember anyone ever telling me that I had one. Yeah, I don't remember it either, but they told me I did. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but but I also, you know, I was the oldest, and my sister was born three years after me, so I didn't really get any time to, like, have a imaginary friend, I guess, because, like, like right. it was me and then I could function as a toddler and then bam there's another baby right I could see that not saying that you know older kids with siblings close in age can't have imaginary friends I'm just saying like oh no 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 I know I know I would I would assume that would be why I didn't right have a took that spot (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess in a way, yeah. And play with them and actually be there in the physical or whatever. Right. I, I see what you're saying. That's not the best way of, of translating the energy of it, of she took the spot of the imaginary friend. But I mean, it puts it into somewhat perspective of what you're conveying. Right. It's kind of a difficult thing to, to verbalize. For sure. But I did, I do remember as a, as a small child, uh, I always talked to the moon. It was friend moon. And Mm. if I was outside, I remember vividly as a very, very small child. I don't know how old I was, but I was very, very small. I remember holding my mom's hand, walking through a parking lot and looking up at the sky and the moon was out. And I remember pointing up at the moon and being like, Mommy, look, look, it's friend moon. Hi, friend moon. And like, apparently that was something I did all the time. Like I was constantly talking to the moon. Like I was obsessed as a small child with the moon. And it's kind of funny because now, you know, I named my daughter after the moon, like full circle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know if I had anything interesting like that as a kid I know that I was highly anxious um and that typically translates into into mediums is high-strung kids or anxious kids 
um, like, I don't know if it's necessarily a past life because I've never explored it, but my mom came home from night shift when things got tight. I think it was during the first like recession that happened when we were young, but mm-hmm. I don't really know, but I just know that she had a work at Whirlpool at nights and things. And she said that she came home and I was in my coat laying in the hallway and she was like, Dylan, what are you doing sleeping in the hallway? And I said, I had to be ready in case the house caught on fire. I had to get everyone out. Uh-huh. Like, what kid does that? So <laughs> it's, I don't know if it stemmed from a past life. Like I still never really explored that. And I, I probably should. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It's, I was just a very different kid and very high anxious kid as well. It took forever before I would sleep alone, let alone with the door closed and lights out. Like that I bet was a major cock block to my parents, but Hey, (laughs) I was thinking that wasn't alone. I was scared. So um, I don't know, but It's just very interesting to think about when we were kids in hindsight and looking at this, but also what parents can say that their kid has come to them and said, I'm a witch and I talk to dead people, right? Like, right. It couldn't have been all that easy for them. It's a very, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) it definitely, especially because like they had raised us very firmly raised us like in the church like the end this is the beginning the end this is what we're about and then you know all these years later they have to deal with us coming back being like hey I know my whole life you said this thing but actually this other thing right a hundred percent but that's all about us stepping into our individual truth as individuals but also functioning grown adults so absolutely Absolutely. And that's another thing like that, especially now as a parent, I look at things just like completely differently than I did before. And sometimes I think about because like when I was being raised, you know, you're in the 90s, they're like, okay, you're a kid, you sit down, you play, you do your thing. I'm the adult. I make all the rules, all the decisions, all the everything. You don't get a say the end. And for me, like, I, I don't want to raise my child like that. And for me, I, I give her choices. She is, she will be one in two weeks and I give her choices, you know, every day. I'm like, you know, what outfit do you want to wear? What snack do you want to have? Like, I try to give her as much control over her own life as you know as I as I can because we weren't necessarily raised with the tools to understand that we can make our own decisions exactly we we weren't raised to have that that kind of support and mentality like I want her to grow up and be like I want this out of my life And I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to be that mom behind her the whole way going, yes, and cheering her on. If, if it's something that I don't necessarily agree with or believe in, of course, I'm going to be like, hey, 
you know, think about this from this perspective, but I'm not going to stop you. I'm still going to be her number one fan, her cheerleader and help her in any endeavor she wants. And I think that's something that a lot of kids, well, no, we're not really kids anymore. A lot of people our age are kind of stepping into, which also I think is, like I said before, it helps with when you come out of these closets that were created for no good reason. Like right. she's never going to have to have that, that feeling. She's never going to have to feel alienated if she grows up and decides you know, I understand I was raised in a pagan household, but I think I want to be a Buddhist or I want to be a Christian or I want to be whatever. I am not going to tell her, no, you can't be those things. I'm going to be like, all right, let's go find us a temple and get this shit rolling. Let's, let's let you experience these things. I love that because I think your stepmother was the perfect example of that. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't mean that you should shy away from it or hide. It means you should join them and help figure it out and learn yourself. Like it's a learning opportunity to learn through your your child. And it really truly is like, there's a lot of wasted opportunities there for a lot of parents, I think. Yes, absolutely. And then also like, it'll educate you on, you know, all of these things. Like, like if, if my parents hadn't taken the time, you know, if, if, if Deanna hadn't taken the time to sit down with me and be like, you know, explain what pagan is, explain witchcraft to me, explain the Oracle readings, explain your dream interpretations, explain pansexuality. Like if she didn't take the time to sit down and understand these things, I would have felt very alienated and she wouldn't have known you know, all these years later, she wouldn't have known how to help me, how to nurture me in, in fragile moments. And the fact that she was willing to step out of her comfort zone and be like, I accept you the way you are. I love you the way you are. And I'm going to help you explore these things that I know nothing about. Let's figure it out together. Like she absolutely like she is the most incredible woman I have ever known. And I look up to her so much and she inspires me as a parent more than I can even begin to explain. Yes, yes, yes. I think she is literally the example for so many people. Absolutely. In her generation. Yes. Um, This woman deserves an award. Someone make her an award, bake her a pie, a giant (laughs) cookie, have a parade in her name, but someone please. She was ahead of her time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the and fact that, that like, she'll even admit like now looking back, she'd be like, you know, I made mistakes as a parent and I love to that. Her. Oh my God. The fact that she just takes responsibility. Like, yes. thank you. Yes. You're Jesus. Like, How hard is yes. it? Cause I've, I've had lots of talks with her where like, because you know, my, my own, my biological mother left when I was 12. So for she and Deanna didn't come into my life till I was around 14. So for two years, like I had no, and those are two really important years when you're 12 and 13, like those are the years you really, really need your mom there to understand like that you're going through puberty, you're going through all these, you know, everything. And those two years that like, I didn't have that, 
every day there with me. And when she stepped in, bless her, bless her, bless her, bless her. I was a 14 year old girl and I was like, I don't need none of this. And she still, she, she came at me with nothing but love and acceptance and understanding. And she would often, all the time, she'd be like, you know, I understand I'm not your mom. I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. I'm just trying to help you be the best person you can be. And of course, as a kid, like, you don't want to hear that. Right. And as an adult, I look back and I'm just like, bless you. Like, straight up, bless you. Because even through all the tantrums and everything, she still stayed consistent. And now you can look back at that and say, oh my God, she's a rock. Like, she, even whenever I was acting in a way that would present unlovable or yep. acceptable. She still, yep. she still loved me. She still held me. She still kissed me. She still yep. that unconditional love. And that's one of the things that I want to bring up is a lot of people in our parents' generation, this goes along the lines of, and I don't want to go too far down the bunny trail, but I think it's applicable. Uh, yeah. to whenever I say breaking generational curses, it doesn't necessarily, yeah mean curses like booga booga like you would see in into the woods where a man stole her her lima beans or whatever the fuck it was or magic beans and she put a curse on the family and they were barren or whatever the right. case. like it's not that kind it's it's for example the things or the traumas that your parents passed down to you that you yeah. never responsibility for or resolved within yourself and then passed it down to your offspring as well yeah we mean by generational curses. So a lot of people in our parents' generation, and it's probably going to be hard for a lot of people in that generation to listen to this podcast, but yes, if they're willing to, because we're here for it and we're going to love them. But we were taught, and this may just be the mindset of the nineties. I don't know, but we were, and I hope people in our generation get this and they just come out of the word work and just scream. Yes, I resonate. But the biggest generational curse of our generation was we were told we were unconditionally loved, but it was with condition. Yes. Yes, and yes, yes, so yes. Our growing up into young adulthood, we were doing the right thing, but still being shamed and told, fuck you, like you're messing up, you're a fuck up. Like, the, And then you would do the other thing that you felt was right and then still was told that. So yep. it was very much like who am I why can I not be the person I need to be and unfortunately a lot of people in our age group have to get very ugly and eventually just start standing up for ourselves in very radical ways to prove our point because it is a giant generational curse that unfortunately I don't think our parents could fully understand it and wrap their head around it because I'm sure that's part of the way that their parents taught them right and another thing Like a lot of our parents grew up in like about half of them grew up in quote unquote broken homes where their parents got divorced. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, they're still one of the first generations to understand what it feels like to, to have, you know, one parent, because back when it was like my grandparents, you stayed together. It didn't matter. Your husband could beat you to death. It didn't matter. You stayed with him. You were married. Right. And that generation started breaking, breaking the marriages, realizing, you know, this is not right. And right. 
then their kids took it a step further and were like, no, I'm not staying with this person. I'm getting out of here. And then I think that's part of why our generation are scared to get married mm-hmm. because we've seen what it comes like, what it, what it's like to grow up in a home that is so dysfunctional. So just not healthy. And so a lot of us grow up with that really unhealthy view of a relationship and really unhealthy view of basically just not even like romantic relationships, like family relationships, friend relationships, because you, right. You grew up with, this is the way it is. And our generation is one of the first that's really stepping in and being like, okay, I see where this has stemmed from, but we're not doing this anymore. And so that's why a lot of people like, we don't, we don't want to get married. We don't want to have kids for a long time. I myself was like, I'm never having kids because I didn't want my kids to go through what I went through. I remember that. And until I was in a, a healthy, loving, nurturing relationship, then I was like, it was like somebody flipped a switch and I was like, I can have a kid now because this is the way it should be. Right. I remember seeing that trans transformation or transition, whatever word you want to use to describe that happen within you. Because I remember it's <clears throat> your nieces and nephews started being born and you started getting like mad baby fever. And then like that was your outlet, but then things happened and then you met Sam and then it was just like, baby, put a baby on me, baby, baby. <laughs> wrong with this girl like this is not the bee I grew up with like where is this coming from but I absolutely love that and I just love seeing the growth that came with that as well so I don't know I think I think our generation is really stepping up to the plate but I also think our generation is going to be um ultimately the generation that starts shifting even the constructs of normal society. I mean, they, the older people start dying out, like we're going to finally be able to have the world. I think we want, um, even if they do take it from us, we're going to take it back because nevertheless, mind you, our generation and those below us was raised with the hunger games and we will (laughs) No shit, sir. No shits at all. We will put yep. it on the ground. Rest assured. Because um, yep. I can tell you now, I am not going to work and do hard labor until I'm 60 years old and then finally start living my life. That is not going to be the way that I spend my existence here on this planet. This yep. <clears throat> Fuck that. And there's also another mm-hmm. thing about like a lot of people our age are having kids a lot older like yeah. a lot later now, like my, my, uh, my mom and my grandma like to comment about, it's mostly my mom, my grandma in her generation, you know, it was normal to have kids at, at, at an early age. But like yeah. for my mom, she's like, you know, I had you when I was 21 and she's like, you're almost 10 years older than me. And she's like, first of all, I can't imagine having a kid 10 years, like a first kid 10 years later. She's like, I can't believe that. 
But she's like, but when I sit here and I watch you interact with your daughter, she's like, you know, you and the other people that are your age that are having their first children in their later 20s into their 30s, she said, you guys are so much more graceful parents. She said, you guys have got to live your life. You have got to, you know, do all all the things that you want to do. And then you started having a family, which I I know, like some people in our parents' time, like some of them did that, but it wasn't the norm. Right. And it's now becoming much, much more of the norm to wait, to live your life, explore your venues and then have a kid so that you can actually take your time, spend your time with your kid, pass your wisdom to your kid. You're not still a kid yourself. You're not still, I mean, every day you're learning, developing, whatever, but you're much more advanced in a place to have kids, to raise them in that healthy environment. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard for me to 100% have a say on this topic only because I'm not a parent. So I limit my opinion because I can't be fully credible because I don't have a human baby. So um, (laughs) I totally understand and resonate with what you're saying. Um, I'm just thinking and processing about your mom's uh, comment or saying that we're more gracious as parents when yes, that's true, but I think it's only because we had to walk through the darkness. So that's where the line was crossed really. Because had we never been treated that way, we, we would be like any other normal, healthy person and be like, okay, well, I know how to treat my kid. It wouldn't have to be a conscious effort of don't yell, don't freak out and like act like your child's a burden in a sense, you know? So right. I mean, well, they were doing a, a study and your brain isn't even like quote unquote developed until you're, I believe it was 25 is when your brain is finally like where it's going to be. Right. A hundred percent. So like that, the fact that so many people, and I'm not knocking young parents, like my, my sister had my first nephew when she was like 18, 19 years old, like, and that kid has turned out great. She's a fantastic mom. I am not knocking, you know, young parents, but but now that like she's she's older, she has her her second kid, and you can just tell like mentally, like she's in a lot better place to have had that kid mm-hmm. later. And I wouldn't wish my nephews away for the world. I absolutely love the crap out of those kids, but do I wish that she could have had him later so that she could have enjoyed you know she was in college she could have went to college finished college had a career um doing what she loved supported her children so much better and that's something that like hurts for me a little bit to think about so many people having you know the the generational curse is she didn't get that time to be a kid she didn't get that that time like I got, she didn't get that time. You know, her mom didn't get that time, things like that. 
I get that. I mean, that is indeed another generational curse that has unfortunately been passed down to, to some individuals. Um, and I totally understand what you're saying of wishing she could have waited longer before having him. So, you know, she could have worked through that, but also had more time to experience life and be mentally prepared. But I mean, she's remarkable. She is. Well, I mean, you look at her past and everything she's been through and she's my God. I mean, I can't even put into words because I, I don't think I could have done it. Raise a kid, go to college while working. uh, Right. No, thank you. Nope. Okay. I'm good. No, thank you. See, and that's another thing though, like with not only the generational curses, but you've also got people like my stepmom who, you know, no matter what happened, she was still there. She was there for, she stood by her. And I think that's a big part of why she was able to succeed because, Uh you know, Deanna never, ever, ever was like, how dare you? What's the matter with you? She was like, well, what happened happened. Let's let's, you know, get a bedroom set up for this kid. Let's, let's love him. She was like, let's love him. And that was the way that it was. And that's, that's how it should be. That's how I want to be for my kids. That's how I think people shouldn't have to come out of these closets. It shouldn't be so stigmatized Mm -hmm. because you should have parents like Deanna, who's there for you no matter what and loves you and supports you. 100%. She is literally the example of unconditional love. She is. The other generational curse that I think was, I guess we'll say cast upon us, because I don't necessarily think that this stems from our parents' parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, because I know that we're on the tail end of time here, is the you can be whatever you want. But then once you start claiming who you want to be, it's no, you can't be that. Yeah. So another identity crisis that our generation had to endure and navigate through. And that's why a lot of us didn't get to know who we were or really yep. get to the work until we were in our 20s whenever you're supposed to fucking do that stuff when you're a kid like a teen like that's when you're supposed to really know and start diving into that yeah but I mean we could literally do a a episode just on generational curses I didn't need to take us down that rabbit hole but I thought it was very applicable with everything that we were talking about and I think it would suit the conversation to also add context for the listeners to also relate from their own experiences. I mean, we can't be the only people who feel this way, have felt that way, or endured some type of, um, I guess, lack of a better word, but behavior from others or individuals. Uh, And it, it doesn't even have to be a parent. That's the thing. It could be a sibling that treated you like that. It could be an uncle. Yeah, it could be a grandparent. Like, it doesn't really matter who it came from. Yeah, uh, just somebody that's, like, important in your life. Someone significant to you. A hundred percent. But let's wrap her up, because I know you got to go to the store for Mother's Day. Cookout. Yes. 
Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, all righty. Well, I don't know how you want to close out. I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms, first of all. I want to say bless any of those moms that like me have lost babies. You are still a mom and you are still valid. 100%. I want to still say happy Mother's Day to the fur mamas. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to those moms that are struggling with infertility problems. Do not give up. Just, you know, I, I know it hurts, but you are still valid and keep Keep going. Don't give up. If that is your goal, you get it, girl. 100%. And also the moms that are just struggling, plain old struggling. Yes. You as well. You're worthy and you are loved as well. And we see you. And I mean. Mom is hard. (laughs) I can only imagine. I mean, I have a five-month-old German shepherd and I'm already having a hard time. So. (laughs) Imagine having an actual baby. Yeah. Um, Mom and his heart. And also, happy Mother's Day, especially to Deanna. And I know we've talked a lot about her in this episode, but uh, for real, like, Deanna, you're an inspiration and I love you. And thank you for being not only a mom to your own children, but to your stepchildren, a fantastic grandmother a mom to even like people that weren't your children, like to Dylan, thank you for being just a supportive and loving person. And you really, really, really are an inspiration to everyone that is around you. And I hope that you know that. And I hope that you feel that. And if you don't now you do, because you are fantastic. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart and my soul. I love you and happy Mother's Day. Ditto to all of that, but also from my experience, thank you for always being the epitome of unconditional love. Yes. Also being that person or adult in my life, I could always go to and talk about the hard stuff. Even if it was something that I absolutely did not want to talk about, you always (laughs) very comfortable and normal. It's always like, well, you're human. That's fine. What's going on? Like, but no, she's, she is more quick to listen and show compassion than she is to have her own opinions or reactions. And kudos to her, um, especially being able to look at her and the relationship with others, as well as myself as an adult, she really is the example um, that was set for us. I really the lady is a saint the end <laughs> also she's a saint due to her own darkness that she had to go yeah. through something maybe we can get her to talk about because i i'm confident that she openly talks about it yeah like yeah this- that that definitely is something we should do sometime is sit down with her and just talk about the hard things a hundred percent All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Thank you listeners for joining Opal's Lounge in this episode of Summoning Nonsense, not silence. Don't get confused. (laughs) Um, Thank you for listening in and also happy Mother's Day. B, I'm going to toss it to you to fully wrap us up. Well, we'll see you in a couple of weeks and we'll have some more 
crazy things to talk about, I'm sure. And if you like what we're talking about, drop us a message somewhere on things maybe you guys want us to talk about, topics you'd like us to touch on. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.